0: Now entering the technology Icing podcast hosted by Karan Pandari. Welcome everyone. In this episode, we will be talking about reliability of cloud adoption. In Recently, I had been to Ernst and Young Technology Conference held at ITC Bangalore, and it was hosted by two eminent people from the Ernst & Young Cloud Circles, one by the name of Sanjay Narang, who is the global lead cloud architect in strategy and a recipient of Microsoft Circle of Excellence Platinum Award from Mr. Steve Balmer himself and Mr. Suresh Khemka, site reliability engineer, working at Ernst & Young. It is a tricky conversation as well as a topic most companies have the pressure to move to the cloud. Not just the internal one, but external too. And many of them are trying to avoid vendor lock-ins as well as trying to keep the business running and trying to go at a very cost-optimized pace. Because many small startups running out of mobile apps are threatening major banks, uh, small startups... In many spaces, in the white labeling zone, or be it the, the microeconomics like Uber, OLA, or small tasks, they are outdoing some major players, and you are faced with a conundrum of how to use scale and move fast, develop fast and put the solutions fast. How do you match up to Amazon's five to 10 seconds? Every five to 10 seconds, they have a few features being rolled out. How do you match up to it? Well, it is a tricky question. Uh, In the conference, the leaders had touched upon how you just can't hand over the reins of cloud management to, to Azure or maybe AWS or GCP. Because, for example, if you're saying that uh, your SQL database, if you have st- taken one, geo-replicated and, uh, uh, and some disaster recovery set, you know, it takes about one hour for them to switch over. So how do you keep your application up and running for that single hour? Will you be able to maintain your SLAs if that is down? It is. It is a tricky question, yes. Uh, so what some people do is um, or some people put a queue in front of the database and uh, as soon as the queue is uh, uh, so so see the the read write operation of database takes some time and even if even if you have like uh, four da- databases and each of them may be um, you know, some of them may be strongly consistent or eventual consistent. For example, strongly consistent means all the replicas of your database have the same data, but eventual consistent means your uh, writes will enter the other databases sometime later. Uh, it uh, So what people do is they put queues and this may be uh, giving you an immediate feedback and instead of waiting for uh, like a um, service bus or azure queue or event grid and, and the application need not wait for the time that you write into the database and you instead write to queues either Rabbit RabbitMQ AM, or something else that uses the AMQP protocol that is one option uh, and the other option is uh, you may use something like uh, azure traffic manager and uh, as your traffic manager has an option to uh, you know check your end your health endpoints whether the health is up or not well your application health is not enough you just can't write a rest controller say replying back with a okay and uh, you can expect that uh, and you just okay yeah it covers one aspect uh, that okay your traffic manager or your Uh, load balancer or your kubernetes controller can switch the traffic if your api is down well that's good but your api is not just api it's your redis cache it's your queues it's your database it's your uh, uh it's your logging infrastructure some of them disconnect the logging by having some reliable elk or writers like a serilog sink uh, but you know in many cases your application is married to these few components and you need your your health endpoint should be able to check uh, not just your application health but also the health of the database so what you so the traffic manager can then route and uh, you could also monitor the size of your queue if if you know the size of your queue is increasing too much that means your database may be down or um, and what you can do is you can listen for such alerts if your queue size increase or the number of if suppose um your uh, you're getting too many errors in the application uh, and um uh, you are not able to figure out why is the queue size increasing and or maybe the number of errors are spiking up, you might just write an as your function or AWS Lambda to bring up a new database in some other geolocation um, as emergency. Uh, however, you know, you don't want to, you know, set up false alarms too many because sometimes, uh, you know, the user does something very weird. Uh, for example, you know, just try uh, entering some error-prone data and that and, you know, your your site starts replying with 400 that's showing that it's invalid request or not authorized. So try not to, you know, fuddle or flood the engineers with excessive information about what's going wrong. Try, try to, you know, have a functional thing like are your number of orders per minute reducing in the entire system? Are people still able to maintain the same? Or um, if if you start seeing um, things like application health going out of bound uh, by having excessive 500 errors, like something like, an like just take your old data set from your Kibana or application insights, and then see when actually your ap- application was down, then how was the state of the errors? And are the logs, if, even if the logs are not being written, that's also an alarming state. Uh, th- this is just one option uh, that you could try. The other one is uh, you could, ha- uh, you know, sometimes even timeouts will not allow your health endpoint to um, return within a specific period. You could have like a countdown latch running. And uh, if it does not return within a specific time, then that means, um, yeah, your timeout could be because your database enter into a deadlock state, you'd never know. Uh, this is just the database size side of things. Uh, in uh, Now many organizations are trying their best to uh, enter this into this multi-cloud challenge. Well, multi-cloud challenge, okay, some companies take pride in it that okay we have this running uh, i mean for example ml work auto ml or ml engine running in google the gcp and they have this uh, database running in dynamo db and app service running on azure They, they take pride in that but you know do you know that you know azure charges and aws charges for egress traffic so you know sometimes your cloud strategy can balloon out of control if and and you know if if suppose they're in a different locations so then your data has to move between these two locations and uh, okay uh, there is a better way to maybe address the multi-cloud challenges by using kubernetes and uh, in kubernetes yeah you just write your docker containers and uh, you compose them in a specific format and then you write your manifest in kubernetes and this could be lift and shifted to any cloud and uh, or you could have service fabric um and uh, ibm has also made a cloud called multi-cloud manager and you know there's so much innovation in cloud that all of these platforms like for example azure says they have made an in-house cloud called azure stack um and uh, uh, our has been made by gw uh, by by the Google Cloud, and Outpost has been made by AWS, but you know, the innovation first happens in this phases. It first happens in the shell, like your AZ, CLI, or the AWS CLI, then the UI engineers at Amazon and Cloud catch up to it, and they're launched in preview mode. In preview mode, most of the functionality is only available from the CLI. And then it comes to the UI. And then after a few months, it comes into these Azure Stack and AWS Outpost or Arthos. And, you know, these, if you install Azure Stack within your on-premise system, it's not complete. You'll not find one-on-one mapping and app services, one-on-one mapping and database options. So, so yeah, Kubernetes is a safe option. It could run crock cross cloud or you can even go to red hat's open shift um, where you just use one platform and you use it uh, to uh, to you know go to any cloud later it's like a lift and shift thing the and one more thing is as your service fabric you can compose your services as as your reliable services use reliable dictionary declare manifest de- declare actors and use the actor paradigm for programming uh, that may require some applications to be written from the ground up, but uh, yeah, if you're starting fresh, you can do that. The only disadvantage I see in your uh, service um, is uh, that is the one that is the 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 competitor to the the service fabric the competitor to Docker uh, is it could you could also run your Docker containers on Service Fabric but the documentation in Service Fabric is lesser compared to Docker uh, but yes you can use that strategy to operate on multiple clouds and you can uh, so to today yeah going on the cloud does not just mean you go to azure or google or, or maybe uh, you know some cloud jiffy or digital ocean it it could also mean you are trying to maintain uh, a hybrid cloud like where you have half in the external mode and half in the internal mode you azure has something called as azure vpn which allows you to control or uh, you know have only the like the seat C- the c0 data or the less the public information you know the the not very confidential information could stay uh in the public cloud but yeah your many of your data centers your data still rely in in-house and in that as your vnet or aws uh, they have a very good uh, um, uh, ip management solution you know the they have the VPC elastic IP, AWS has VPC elastic IP to help you to connect. And Azure has the VNet v- virtual net that helps you to connect. You could keep your domain controller inside your network or use um, like a mul or or use uh database within your premise and then uh, you know you could keep your services running uh in the cloud in app services or Docker or functions. Uh why would you want to do such a complicated scenario you know sometimes as your aws google may not be available in Kazakhstan, and you may have some gdpr or some law that will say that okay your data can't leave this country like for example if you are trying to do upi payments in india you can't keep your data outside india and uh, uh, some government sensitive things you want to keep it inside the same country where it is operating from and at that place Google or um, AWS Amazon may not have anything to provide you uh, So, you know, it becomes tricky. Uh, so that's why you you should look into You know some in So, you know, you could make an azure stack within of course it has less features uh, or uh, operate some Cloud, f- cloud Foundry solution. Um, w- there is, there is uh, uh, the, uh, you know, Walmart also could, uh, also, y- you may not be able to scale as much as you can because Walmart al- almost invested in 700,000 cores, but they ran out and they eventually had to go to Azure. And uh, you could run OpenStack in house uh, so that, you know, OpenStack works across all cloud vendors. And uh, it's not necessary that you you will save a lot of money by going to the cloud. Uh, some people don't get the strategy right. And some people put auto scaling feature turned on. And be- sometimes when you have DNS attacks, you never know that, you know, all of a sudden your billing spike happens. And uh, you, you may not have implemented IP throttling and um, Something can go wrong and out of control. You could have like a, a alerting system, like uh, you know, it uh, AWS has a uh, has something called as CloudWatch, which will alert you. But but you know, you have uh, you have to do something about it. Like when you get an alert, and some people what they do is as soon as the CloudWatch alert happens, they they run an AWS Lambda function to you know shut down a particular instance. Uh, that is making, undergoing DNS attack or you switch traffic to something else or you could use something like uh, Lightworks which uh, could help you, sorry Lighthouse, no sorry Lightwings yeah, Lightwings that can help you to you know, manage your instances uh, on the GUI itself <coughs> instead of you writing uh, some complicated things um, well it's a very debatable topic The talks can go on and on, and uh, I'll put some show notes and links to what I was talking about. I hope you enjoyed the show. This is me, Karan Bhandari, signing off. Take care. Goodbye, and have a productive rest of the week. Goodbye.